Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. If you're ready for the word, look at somebody and tell them, I'm ready to eat this morning. I'm ready to eat this morning. I, um, I don't know if you heard this story, but there, there's a true story about the Olympics in 1968. They were held in Mexico City, and the last runner, the last runner to finish the marathon, his name was John Aquari from uh, Tanzania. And during this race, he got a leg cramp and he fell down really hard to the ground. He dislocated his knee. He bruised up his shoulder. In fact, I think we have a picture of him that we can show. Yeah, we have a picture. Sorry about the quality of the picture. This is 1968. So the quality is not amazing. Technology was not the best in 1968. Although we did manage to put somebody on the moon and communicate with them from Earth. But we can't get a good picture of the Olympics. But this is... Don't get me started. Anyway. This is John right here. And he fell to the ground. He dislocated his knee. He bruised up his shoulder. And he was advised by his team that he should leave and go to the hospital for medical attention. But instead, he chose to keep running and keep running. And by the halfway point, he was already out of contention. And still, he kept going. In fact, 18 of the 75 runners had pulled out of the race. But John, not John, he kept running and he kept running. He was the last person to finish the race. In fact, the winner finished an hour and five minutes ahead of him. By the time he got to the stadium, it was dark. The stadium was almost empty. All of the medals had already been awarded and given out, but he finished anyway. And he was asked by a reporter, why didn't you quit? When you had no chance of winning. And I love John's response. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles away to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And I want to talk to you today about finishing. I want you to look at somebody and tell them, I see what you've started, but can you finish? Come on, ask them. I see what you've started. Some of y'all are just staring at me. I see you staring at me. Look at somebody and tell them, can you finish? Can you finish? Can you finish? Can you finish what you've started? The Bible, it likens our lives uh, to a race, to a marathon. And the analogy is perfect because how many know life is a marathon? It is a race, but it is a marathon. In fact, Paul, the apostle, he said in Acts chapter 20, he said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. He says, my only aim is to say this out loud, finish the race. 
and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Look at somebody again and tell them, finish the race, finish the race. Then towards the end of his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I don't know about you, Impact Church family, but for me, I want to be someone who finishes the race. I want to finish. I want to finish. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's a lot easier to start than it is to finish. There's a lot of great starters in life. It's a lot easier to start than finish. You know, I started to clean my house. I just didn't finish. I started working out January 1st. And then I stopped January 2nd. I didn't finish. I started eating healthy and I just didn't finish. I started going to school. I started going to a university. I started taking real estate classes. I started a great business idea. I started, but I didn't finish. It's far easier to start than it is to finish. Do you know why? It's because at the beginning, that's where all the hype is. That's where all the feel good is at the beginning, the dreaming stage, the visionary stage, the infatuation stage, the infatuation stage. I fell in love. I just didn't stay in love. I fell in love. Oh, we loved each other. We started out so strong, but we didn't finish. See, it's the beginning. That's the infatuation stage. It's, it's really the selfish stage. Because it's the stage that I feel good about. This makes me feel good. This makes me feel good. So I'm a great starter. And listen, anybody can start something, but not everybody can finish. In fact, I know a lot of superstar starters who are failure finishers. I do. I know a lot of people who like, they have the gift. They have this gift of startup. But frankly, I, I know very few finishers. They're on fire at the beginning, but they burn out before the end. The flame is hot at the beginning, but it turns into ashes before the end. And I want to finish strong. I want you to finish the race. When, when I was a kid running in sports, my coach used to say, I want you to run through the finish line, not to the finish line. And as your pastor today, I want you to run through the finish line, not to the finish line. And so today I have three biblical keys for you to finishing and running through the finish line. Number one, number one, the first biblical key is to understand what race you are running. What race are you running? Are you guys with me this morning? You're a little quiet. You're, you're, you're far quieter than the first service. Just, I told you it's a game for me every week and you're losing. I, I want you to win. I want you to win today. You don't want to win. I want you to win today. 
I, I, I want you to understand the race that you're running. What is the race that you're running? What race, what races are you running? What and where is the finish line? What are the finish lines? Listen, if you're not sure what races that you're running, you'll never see the finish line, let alone run through the finish line because you don't even know what the finish line is. Proverbs, it says this in 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Come on, say that out loud with me. Ready? Here we go. Where there is no vision, the people perish. This is true for every one of us. This is true for every person, every marriage, every business, every nation. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So what is the vision? What is the race? What are the races? What is the finish line? And listen, once that is established, now you can build your life around it. That's the finish line. And because I know where the finish line is, because I know what the finish line is, I can build my life around it. I can build my marriage around it. I can build my business around it. Those finish lines, they shape my life. The finish lines, my vision shapes my preparation. My vision shapes my mission. Am I running a 40 yard dash? Am I running a 400 meter? Am I running a 5K? Am I running a marathon? The race defines your preparation because you prepare differently for every one of those. What is the race? I've noticed that a lot of people in life seem to be wandering around aimlessly. They're running aimlessly through life like a hamster in a hamster wheel. I just wake up, go to work, go home, go to bed, wake up, go to work, go home, go to bed. The hamster wheel of life that that people are just running aimlessly. The apostle Paul talked about this in first Corinthians chapter nine. He said, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one, somebody say only one, only one, only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize. I mean, I kind of like that. That's good advice. Like if you're going to run, you might as well run to win. If I'm going to play, I might as well play to win. Verse 25, everyone who competes goes into strict training. They train. Why are they training? Why are they training? They do it to get a crown that will not even last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Maybe, maybe you feel this way today. Maybe you feel like you're running through life aimlessly. Maybe you feel like you've been just kind of beating the air, swinging at nothing. If that's you today, I want you to know that God has a divine plan and purpose for your life. And don't you ever forget about it. God has a purpose for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, Maybe you've heard this verse for, I know the plans I have for you. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Here we go. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan for you. Look, look at somebody and tell them, are you living out your plan or God's plan? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? I, I asked you a question. That's a good question to ask, isn't it? Because it, 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 is, it is a great question. Am I living out my plan for my life? And trying to make God a part of it? Or am I living out God's plan for my life? Because God has a plan for your life. He has a plan. He created you for a specific reason. And the greatest tragedy in life is not dying. It is not living out God's specific purpose for your life. And a lot of people, they don't understand the race. Like there's this marathon you're running and that is your life with Christ. But there's all these sub races within the race too. Which ones are your races? They might not be the same race that I'm running. I have specific races. I'm running for God. I want to win. I want to finish strong running for God. I want to finish strong being a husband. I want to run through the finish line. I don't want to fall short of the finish line being a husband. I, I want to finish being a good daddy, a godly daddy, not a perfect daddy, but a daddy who's in the mix, a daddy that will always be there for my children. I want to finish strong. I want to run through the finish line. I, I want to finish. I want to be a pastor. I want to finish strong being a pastor, being a man of God. I want to finish. Those are my big races. What are your races? What are you running? What are you aiming for? See, listen, understanding what race you're running, it also helps you count the cost. Jesus talked about counting the cost. And in the, in the, in the book of Luke, he said, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Count, you got to count the cost. Part of finishing strong, part of running through the finish line is counting the cost. Listen, every dream has a cost. I want to say it again. Every dream has a cost. Anything that you want to do, any race you want to run, it's going to cost you everything you've got. I want to talk to all the single people who one day want to be married. <laughs> Have you ever thought about why you want to meet? One day I want to meet this man of God. My prince charming. I want to meet the queen of my life. I want to meet this woman. Have you ever thought like, why? <laughs> Have you? Because the why is about you. The why is about you. I want, I want, 
I want to feel this. I want a man in my life. (laughs) I want whatever it is. It's about you. Let me tell you something. And all the married people, if you've been married for more than 24 months, if it's under, you need to shut your mouth. But if you've been married for 24 months, you, you could tell all the under 24 monthers and all the single people marriage is no longer about you. There is a cost for all you single people that want to be married. There is a cost to being married. And I promise you, it is going to cost you everything you've got. You think, you, you think, you think, you think it's about, I'm just, I need a chair. I need a chair. Hold on. I need a chair. I need, I need to sit. I need to sit down. Is this chair stuck? There we go. It's going to take some time. You think when you're, when you're single, there's my wife. You can go back, go back where you were, babe. I turn off the sound. When you're married, you're like, I'm going to go out with the, you know, if you, you're a girl and you're, I'm going to go out with the girls. No, you're not. Look at all these cell phones recording me right now. If you're married, you, you're single and you're like, you want to be married. It's like, you, you think, well, I'm going to go out with the guys. No, you're not. I'm going to go run and do, no, you're not. I'm going to spend some money on, no, you're not. It doesn't work like that. You know what I'm saying? You're not even going to eat what you want to eat anymore. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. You think I just want a man so bad. I just want a woman so bad. And then you, and then you get one. And then you realize why Ephesians chapter five talks exactly about what it talks about exactly what marriage really is. What is marriage? I am going to give you my life, all of it, every bit of it. I am going to surrender my will and my desires for yours. Every one of them. This is why marriages fail out, flame out before they get to the finish line, because that is hard to do. And then I say, babe, I'm going to, it's about you. And then she goes, nope, it's about you. And this is why you get in the biggest fight. If you're married, you get in the biggest fights. If you're married and you're, and you're trying to live for Jesus Christ, your biggest fights are where are we going to eat today? Because I have somewhere I want to eat. Every time I'm asked, I have, I have a thought. But a man of God goes, babe, whatever you want, what do you want? That's what a man of God does, whatever you want. And the woman of God goes, I don't care whatever you want, but she has a thought. And so my wife and I, we figured this out early on in our marriage and we got this thing called narrow it down. 
what do you want to eat? And she'll be like, I'll narrow it down. And she tells me five places. I still don't want any of those five places. But I'm a man of God. And it's not about me. It's about her. (laughs) And she's a woman of God. So it's not about her. It's about me. Do you see the dilemma? It's a good dilemma. And we're so opposite because God has a funny sense of humor. And he's like, yo, watch me put these two people together. And then it's cheap entertainment for he and Moses and Elijah for like the next 50 years. (laughs) There's a cost. What I'm trying to say is any dream that you have ever, there will be a cost. And the vision helps you understand that very cost. People want children. I want kids. I just want babies. Dude. Yes. Yes. God puts that desire in you. Understand there's a cost. (laughs) There's a cost. You want to chase that dream. There is a cost. And for me, I want to finish the race. Is the cost worth the price tag? Yes. The cost is worth the price tag. But you have to understand that this race First and foremost, is not about you. Number two, if you're going to finish and run through the finish line, remove the distractions. What is distracting you in life? What is distracting you from crossing the finish line? What is distracting you from being A godly man, a woman of God. What is distracting you from growing in Christ? What is distracting you from being that husband that God called you to be? What is distracting you from being that wife that God has called you to be? What is distracting you from being that mother, that father? Distractions. Paul talked about these throughout scripture, but I'm reminded of Hebrews 12. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I I love the phrase, throw off everything. If you're going to throw off everything that hinders, I think it's important we take a look at, well, what are the everythings? What's the anything in my life? There's another translation that says that we should remove anything. Same verse, same verse, different translation. We should remove anything that would get in the way. What's in the way? 
We should remove anything that gets in the way and holds us back. So what's in your way? What's holding you back? What's hindering you in this race? There's a lot of things that could get in the way. Sin is certainly one anger and, and, and pride and insecurities. Hey, ha, have you ever thought how many dreams you've never accomplished because of your own insecurity? What's in the way? How many things did God have for you over here, but you never developed the spiritual courage to take a step over there? There could be people in the way, a person in the way, a relationship in the way. Man, I'm trying to run this race, but man, this person is slowing me down, hindering me. It could be, hey, it could be a family member that's in the way. It, it, It could be a coworker. It could be a mental health issue. It could be discouragement. It could be negativity. You, you could be in your own way. What are your anythings? What are your anythings that you need to remove from your life that are slowing you down and maybe even shutting you down? Galatians 5. Paul writes another scripture and he says, you were running the race so well. Who? has held you back from following the truth? There's two great questions. What is holding you back? Who is holding you back? What and who are holding you back from finishing the race? And, and I love, he says this part in, in Hebrews 12 too. We already read it, but he says, let us run with perseverance. We say that word perseverance, perseverance. We're going to look at that in a second. Perseverance. The race marked out for us. Marked out, meaning I understand it. I know what it is. I know what the finish line is. The race is marked out for me. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. That's about focus. Keep my focus on the finish line. Proverbs 4 25 through 27 in the message translation, he says, keep your eyes straight ahead, straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step, watch your step, watch your step. And the road will stretch out smooth before you. He says, look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. Keep your focus. See, the devil uses Distractions. Listen, the devil uses distractions. Distraction. You know why the devil uses distractions? Because they work. Because distractions are subtle. The power of a distraction is in the subtlety. The devil is the master of distraction. He knows that we are easily Distraction. 
He knows, the devil knows that humans have an attraction to distractions. In the Bible, we see distractions. David was distracted by lust and pleasure. And Judas was distracted by greed and money. And Peter was distracted by worries and fear. The devil uses distractions because they work. They're subtle. And when something comes at you in subtle ways... It removes the fear. It removes the fear. It's hard to recognize a subtle distraction as a demonic attack from the devil. Listen, if the devil can't outright destroy you, he will distract you so that you will destroy you. And the problem is, is that the most powerful distractions that hold you back, they don't have to be outright evil or demonic because the most powerful distractions that hold you back are the good things that hold you back from God's best things. Because the good things, they're not bad so therefore they kind of trap me from ever knowing what God's best is you guys have heard me share this story about the monkey trappers it's a great story how monkeys in Africa and Asia And natives trap monkeys. They take a coconut and they hollow it out. They have a hole in the end of it. And then they put candy in it. And then they tie it to a tree. And they go away. And the monkey is just walking along. And then it's distracted by the coconut. And he goes over to the coconut. And there's a hole in the coconut. And he could smell something sweet in there. And he could see something sweet in there. And the monkey reaches his hand inside the coconut. And grabs the candy. And now he's trapped. You know why? Because he won't let go. And some of you are trapped because you won't let go. You won't let go. It's not a bad thing that you're holding on to. But because you won't let go, you'll never know what God's best thing is for your life. And so the good becomes a trap. And the devil is the king of distractions. And distractions wouldn't actually be that impressive if they also didn't tempt you. It's the distraction that's a temptation that could lead to devastation. We used to have this family of owls outside of our 
house. And I don't know if you've ever seen an owl up close, but they're big birds. And one time we caught this owl in the middle of the night. We got him on our surveillance cameras swimming in our pool. Oh yeah. He was in the pool, just like bathing himself for about 20 minutes, just enjoying my pool. Another time in the middle of the night, I got up to let our little schnauzer out to go to the bathroom and he runs outside and he just starts barking like crazy. Like he's mad. And I was like, Oh my word. There's an owl on the wall. And my dog, he's going to kill this owl. So he thinks, you know what the owl did? Owl whoosh, whoosh. He flies over my dog, spits on the ground and goes back to the wall. What do you think my dog did? He went to the distraction, the spit. He was no longer mad and going to kill the owl. He was now like, oh, I got some yummy yums I can eat now. Thank God, Pastor Travis, the pastor of disaster, was there. And I grabbed a broomstick just in case we had to go to war. Distractions. And I thought, man, that owl is genius. I really did. I was like, that's genius. Get the thing distracted, swoop in, pick him up, take him up high in the middle of the desert, drop him. I got food for tonight. That's what they do. And some of y'all in here right now are my dog. (laughs) You my dogs. You know what I'm saying? You're so consumed and distracted by the garbage around you. You're so, you don't even know how your life is on the line. Your purpose is on the line. Your calling is on the line. Your, your entire future is on the line. You need to get your head up and put your eyes on Jesus Christ and keep your focus. Keep your focus. Hey, temptations are real. I want you to look at somebody that you don't know. Go ahead, look at them. I'll tell you what to do in a minute, but just look at them. Keep looking at them. I want you to keep looking at them. You don't know them. Keep looking at them for just a minute. Now tell them this. Tell them this. I've been tempted to look away this whole time. Go ahead. Nobody's above temptation. You're not above temptation. Part of removing distractions is remove the temptations. There are some temptations. They just like pop up. You didn't know they were coming and boom, all of a sudden there are other temptations. You can remove them. Hello? 
You can remove them. I, I had my brain aneurysm in November. I had a stroke. And, and ever since then, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't eat the same way. My, my eating habits have changed. Do you know why? Because I changed them. It wasn't like all of a sudden, like health food flew into my refrigerator. You know, it wasn't like God supernaturally is like, you almost died, buddy. So I'm going to make sure you No, I, I changed them. I changed my eating habits. One of the keys to any of my health success has been, I removed, I removed anything that might tempt me. I removed them gone. Like if you were to look in my, my refrigerator, you, you, it looked like the health section of whole foods. Like my temptations have been removed. I'm still tempted by them. They're just removed out of sight, out of mind, at least more out of mind. Maybe not totally, but at least more out of mind. So you, you, you know why I don't have any garbage food to tempt me? Because I removed it. Listen. This is not about me. I'm telling you to remove the garbage in your life. The spiritual junk food, the emotional junk food, the relational woo, junk food. You remove it. You remove it. Remove the distractions, remove the temptations. We're all tempted. You might be strong enough for a day, but if you stay surrounded in the middle of whatever you're tempted by long enough, it will eventually become the reason you did not finish the race. Distractions don't just hijack your focus. They hijack your finish. That's the power of a distraction. Number three, my final point is to develop the spiritual grit to keep going. This is my favorite point. I say that every week. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. Let's read this verse out loud together. Shall we? Here we go. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up, we will reap a harvest. You have a harvest waiting for you. If some of you may not ever see that harvest because you're going to give up, you're going to dip out of the race. You're going to quit the race. You're going to be the 18 that said, I'm not going to run this race any longer. But he says, don't become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We will, we will, we will reap a harvest. We will see this harvest. It's going to come if we do not give up. So I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep stepping. I'm going to keep marching. I'm going to keep striding. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to because there's a harvest waiting for me.
So I'm going to take the next step. You know, we always talk about the first step. We always talk about, well, the first step's the hardest. Just take a step of faith. Just go, and then everything's going to be great. And the first step oftentimes is very difficult. The first step at times is very difficult. Taking the first step to confess. Taking the first step to ask forgiveness. That's tough stuff. Taking that first step towards freedom from addiction. Taking that first step towards reconciliation. Those are big steps. But we always say the first step is the hardest. But I don't think that's true. I think the next step is the hardest. The thousandth step. The 10,000th step. The 25,000th step. That step after you already fell down and dislocated your knee. That next step. That step after she hurt me deeply. That next step after he hurt me deeply. That next step after the infatuation wears off. That next step after I've failed. That next step after we've been married for 20 years. That next step after that surgery, but it didn't work. That next step after I relapsed. It's the next step. This is where brave people are made. This is where the truly courageous are made. It's in the next step. It's the next step. It's the next step. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. Listen to this. But I press on. Yeah. I press on to take hold of that which for Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm straining toward what is ahead. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. Listen, some of you today, you need to hear it. I'm pressing on. You need to press on. You need to press on. You need to forget what is behind. You need to forget it. You need to strain towards the future. You need to press on. You know what's crazy about this verse to me is context. Because the context of this. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to the church in Philippi while he was in prison. 
He had completed what we call his first missionary journey. He had completed his second missionary journey. He had completed his third missionary journey. And now he finds himself in prison. But during his third missionary journey, he outlines all these problems in 2 Corinthians 11 that he went through. He's like, I've been in prison many times. I've been beaten and flogged and whipped, whipped with the 39 lashes, three times beaten with rods. I was stoned and left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. He said, I survived dangerous rivers and storms. I faced dangerous bandits. I faced danger from Jews. I faced danger from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the city, in the country, danger on the sea, danger from false believers. I went without sleep. I went without water. I went without food. And then, and then, and then after that, he says, forgetting what is behind I'm straining towards what is ahead and I'm pressing on towards the prize for which God has called me heaven word. I'm pressing on, I'm pressing on, I'm pressing on. Let me tell you something. If you haven't figured this out, the greater your vision, the greater your opposition. but will you keep running anyway? Father, we come before you today and I thank you for everybody in our Impact Church family. I thank you for everybody. God, every special man, woman, child that you have brought together to be a part of this Impact Church family. And I pray for anybody today that has felt like giving up. You felt like quitting. You felt like pulling out of the race. It's not for weak reasons. It's been hard, man. It's been hard. It's been hard. It's been hard. You've been beaten up, beaten down. You've been bruised up. It's not for weak reasons. It's been hard. I want you to know today that God wants you to finish strong. God wants you to run through the finish line. Don't give up. 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 Don't quit. The power is in the next step. The courage of the next step. The bravery of the next step. There's a harvest waiting. There's a harvest waiting. I know it's hard. But you have the power of God Almighty within you. You have the power of God Almighty. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's going to help you take the next step and the next step and the next step. You have the dunamis power, that Greek word for dynamite, dynamite, dynamite power, explosive power, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. 
somebody today you've thought about taking your life and ending your life because the devil's tried to lie to you that you don't matter. But I came to tell you the truth today. I came to tell you the truth today that your life matters, that you are you are built by God, created by God, created for God, created by a purpose, a divine purpose. You matter. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to us. You matter to me. No, I'll never do that. I will never bow to that. I will never do that. The greater the vision, the greater the opposition. You're going to be a world changer for Jesus Christ. You're going to be a world changer. You're going to be a trailblazer. You're going to create a legacy for your family. Maybe you haven't had anything above you in that bloodline, but below you in that bloodline is going to be legacy. It's going to be anointed. It's going to be blessed and highly favored by God because you're not going to quit. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never taken a step to say, Jesus, I need a savior. You've never taken a step to say, God, I want to give you my life. Listen, if you're here today, I believe that is why you're here today. Because God wants you to know that he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. To pay the price for your sins. He loves you. He loves you. He did it for you. Today, if that's you, you can pray. I want you to pray. You pray. God, today I give you my life. Today, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for that love. God, thank you for that ransom. God, thank you for a love that's unconditional, that knows no bounds, no ends. A limitless love. God, that no matter what I've done, no matter what I've done, no matter who I've done it to, no matter how bad it's been in the past, God, today with you, I press, I press, I press, I forget what is behind and I press on. Jesus. God, we proclaim that today you are our firm foundation. You are our firm foundation. God, we build our life on you today. We build our hearts on you today. We build our minds on you today. We build our emotions on you. We build our marriages on you. We build our families on you today. God, you are firm foundation. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.